You're listening to Spice Radio, 1200 AM. This is The Morning Buzz, and we are speaking to Charlie Smith, the editor of Vancouver. Charlie, how are you? Oh, I'm wonderful. Thanks. And Karen, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, Charlie. And we got to talk about this story because everybody has been talking about it. But Prince Harry, he, it seems, has set a record with his tell-all memoir, Spare. And it seems the English version has sold more than 1.4 million copies in its first day of publication. But, Charlie, what I have to say is interesting is the book is doing very well, but it seems his popularity has plummeted. But what do you think of what we're seeing so far this week? been a bit of a train wreck for the royal family. I'll start with that. Um, but I think what's uh, quite fascinating is the, the British tabloids have re- <laughs> really been harsh on Harry, uh, in part uh, because he's been attacking them all the, all the time, and he's living in the UK. <laughs> and so you've got uh, these headlines coming out like, oh, spare us, and uh, just just mocking Harry for uh, his revelations. And at the same time, um, there's, there's some interesting commentary about uh, mental health, but one of the articles that I found intriguing was in Harry's defense to a certain degree, and, and I, I've kind of sat here and watched this guy whining all the time, and wondering, you know, he's always complaining, but um, the the flip side, what this person, uh, writer, was, was suggesting is that what Harry's doing and why there's such a backlash against him is also related, among other things, um, to that, that here's a guy who was in the military, and you're supposed to have this stiff upper lip in, in Britain, yet he's talking about his feelings and expressing himself and that kind of goes against the the grain of the country's DNA, and um, and by that that this writer was suggesting that that is also contributing to a backlash against them. And I hadn't, I hadn't considered it from from that perspective. Uh, I just thought this guy who's had everything handed to him on a silver platter and uh, seems to be upset that his his brother was born first. Um, and uh, just goes on and on and on. I realize, you know, the the, the racism against um, uh, in the press against his wife has, has been well documented, um, and I don't want to minimize that. Um, but often it seems it's more about Harry than anything else when he's when he's talking about what's going on his his you know various conflicts things of that nature. Charlie, I, I know there are so many moments when you're like, what's going on here with this with this whole book, right? So which one is your favorite? I can't get over the fact that he's spoke about, you know, pushing his or his brother pushing him into a dog bowl. And then to see even King Charles doing a headstand in his boxer shorts. I can't get over some visuals. And then, of course, the <laughs> Elizabeth Arden cream, the eight hour cream, that reference was very, very cringe worthy which is your favorite well, well the one you know this isn't cringeworthy for me natasha the thing that stands out for me beyond everything else is him talking about the number of people that he killed in in the war in afghanistan and the the kind of insensitivity that what he's done 
not only putting himself in jeopardy uh, personally and physically, um, but also uh, possibly making making Britain a, a target um, of you know some deranged madman who's going to want to seek vengeance because you know as you know the the, the crown is uh, perceived in certain ways in in Central and South Asia. And, you know, there's already enough festering resentment over everything from the Kohinoor diamond to, uh, you know, the partition of India. And, and, and now Harry, who's the representative of the crown, goes out and, and basically brags about, about killing a bunch of uh, people in Afghanistan. Uh, that, that to me is just mind-boggling, like how an editor or a ghostwriter or all of Random House wouldn't just say, hey, let's stop, let's check in. Is, is this really worth putting in a book? Yeah, that's true. And they're a big publication there. And I think one of the things that really stood out in that passage, too, is you remember Harry talked about so much of the importance about security for his family and keeping them safe. And by putting a passage out there like that, then you're kind of like, uh-oh, like you said, did he just jeopardize that? But now, Charlie, my next question for you, right? We look at Prince Harry. He's put out a documentary. He's put out a book now. I mean, what else is he going to do next? <laughs> I, th- I think he's going to be a like the abdicated king, he's going to be sitting in some foreign land. Uh, he probably won't have to go back to his brother and ask for money the way that uh, George's brother had to do, did Edward, King Edward, uh, repeatedly. But but I don't know what he's going to do. Like what? How, how much of a shelf life does this guy have in terms of public speaking engagements, books? documentaries, um, and I, I also wonder what's going through his wife's mind as he's, you know, doing something like this, and, you know, they like to say, you, you have to break a few eggs to make an omelet, and, and Harry's trying to make this case that he wants to, you know, you have to have reconciliation, you have to have truth, and he wants to reconcile with his family, but I I just don't see how this can happen. I doubt there's but, going to be a sequel to this book, though, because he's gone all out with the dirty linen and washed it out there in public. So I'm really doubting there's going to be a sequel to this one. Yeah. <laughs> well, you wonder what, what is he going to do and what's his wife going to do? Um, maybe they'll just be rich socialites and yeah. go to parties and people will pay him to speak. Um, but but I, I'm kind of flabbergasted or gobsmacked by his self-importance. Like, he, he, he gallivants around like he's uh, you know, the equivalent of Barack Obama or something um, in terms of his pronouncements on what's going on in the world and things like that. And I, I kind of go, like, is anyone hanging on to every word that Harry is saying? Yeah, that's exactly it. So let's see. Only time will tell what will be next for Prince Harry there. Now, Charlie, I want to move to some local news. And this was a fascinating one. So the provincial government announced it plans to create a $500 million fund that will enable nonprofits to buy older rental buildings in B.C. rather than allowing those buildings to be sold to developers. And they say this could be, you know, one of the ways to deal with the affordability crisis. What do you make of this announcement? Well, I think, um, I don't think it's, like the, the BC government announcement was suggesting it was going to help 
thousands of renters. Um, $500 million doesn't actually buy a lot of real estate these days. Uh, you, can, you can get quite a few buildings, and it will uh, protect uh, some renters, but not even close to the uh, percentage of renters that is in the population, let alone even in one city like Vancouver. Like, and he's talking, Premier's talking about the entire province. But the flip side of this announcement, which um, I find interesting, is it, it's good politics. And in that regard, the NDP needs the votes of renters to win the election that they've traditionally done exceptionally well among renters. They try to get some homeowners, but they put their renters with the minority of homeowners. And, and if the math adds up, They'll win the election, and so I think what we're seeing from from the premier, and they also that's the second thing is that they're pretty flush with cash. That there were pretty negative forecasts about the pandemic and what it was going to mean in terms of government budgets, and the numbers have come in better than expected. So so he's sitting on some money, and and uh, Robbie Callan can go out and make the announcement, and they will. Uh, Buy some buildings. Um, nonprofits will buy some buildings, and then when they own the buildings, they can borrow and against those buildings and, and fix them up. But I don't think it's going to um, be a game changer for most tenants in the province. But I think it will play well against the liberals because if the goal is to portray the liberals as being on the side of the rich, on the side of the landlords, on the side of you know the, the investors who just want to profit from housing, um, it fits into the narrative very well. And and I do think David Eby is uh, trying to craft a storyline that he's on the side of average people to win the next election. And, and uh, he may succeed. I think the challenge that he's facing, though, is um, he's not the most energetic speaker. And I was at an event last night in Richmond where... 600 people were gathered. It was uh, just on the 100th anniversary of the um, Chinese Exclusion Act, so it was mostly Chinese people in the room, um, and they were there in a, kind of to support their anti-racism group. And David Eby sent in a, a videotaped message, which was not, not the most dynamic, I'll just put it that way. It was historically informative. He was articulate. He came across, you know, sitting at his desk or standing there and talking. Then Kevin Falcon gets on the stage and starts, uh, does his speech, and it was just full of rock'em, sock'em, vigor. He's praising the Chinese community. He's telling them how much they've done to build B.C., and, uh, and, and the contrast was very sharp. And I was thinking, here we are in Richmond, which is where it is, where the NDP has three of the four seats, and and Kevin Falcon was there to take those seats away um, from the Liberals, from the NDP, and put them back in the in the Liberal in the Liberal side of the ledger. And and I was thinking, I think David Eby's going to have to become a better campaigner in terms of understanding the what what works, particularly with diverse communities. 
we, we know how politics is done in India, where it's it's quite theatrical. <laughs> and the speeches are full of life and, and, and joy and promises. It's the same in the Philippines um, and, and in other parts of Asia. And I think we've got to um, think about, uh, I thought Christy Clark knew how to campaign to diverse communities quite well, because uh, she she would inject a lot of humor and fun and energy and and I see that with Kevin Falcon right now, and I'm wondering, you know, whether that will have any impact come the next election. Yeah, it'll I definitely. Kind of went off topic there. Yeah, <laughs> that's okay, What's Charlie. on my mind? No, I appreciate that. That's very fascinating that you point that out there, Charlie. Uh, one more thing I wanted to highlight here is you said there is Lantern City that's going on. So briefly, can you let people know what to expect here? Yeah, this is really something for Lunar New Year, starting on on. January 20th, but January 22nd is the year of the rabbit. Jackpool Plaza, uh, the the north side of the Vancouver Art Gallery, and Granville Island, there's going to be collections of lanterns celebrating the new year, but uh, year of the rabbit, but it's not, they're not all done uh, by Chinese artists, and these are big lanterns. Many of them are done by indigenous artists, some from Taiwan, some from B.C. Um, we've got Jesse Sopal, who's a South Asian artist um, of East Vancouver, uh, very, very smart young guy. Uh, so he's doing one of the, one of the lanterns, um, and he's injected the Punjabi script. And so he's showing two young women performing a Punjabi kickly dance, kind of under the blazing sun. And then that's his Lunar New Year um, thing. And, and he thought it would show the youthful energy and all of that. So, so people of all cultures can come. There's a Malaysian-born uh, lantern artist, um, and 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 I've seen these in previous years. They're they're really fun to see. That's really cool, Charlie. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, we really appreciate it. You take care and have a wonderful weekend. Okay, thanks, man, Karen. You too, and you too, Natasha. Bye. Bye.